I want to take a moment and just say thank you for being here. I already mentioned that it's kind of a, uh, a dreary day outside. It was. I went out this morning probably about 6 o'clock just to check the roads, and uh, actually they were pretty clear. Uh, there are trees down in various places. I had to take a very dark shower this morning. We do not have power at the house. The good news is I had hot water. My wife might not, but I had hot water, which was wonderful. So it is uh, definitely a different kind of day for us today, but uh, we are glad that so many of you have been able to come out. And I know that uh, uh, it's also a little bit of a treat because we don't get this all the time. It's actually a little bit unique that we would be able to have uh, this kind of weather. Have you ever been the beneficiary of someone else's blessing? I know that I have. Maybe for you it was when you graduated from school or a birthday. Uh, perhaps it was when you got married. I know that as a pastor, I always feel a little bit overwhelmed by the generosity of the church whenever we do what's called Pastor Appreciation Month. The way y'all love on myself and the staff is almost embarrassing at times, not because of what you're doing is, is bad in any way. We very much appreciate your generosity toward us, but because often there's a sense of maybe unworthiness, like we don't deserve the generosity that we receive. Anytime I receive a gift, there's a huge part of me that feels the need to say thank you, but I admit it doesn't always happen. I remember receiving multiple cash donations and gifts when I graduated from high school. Man, I got tired of hearing from my mom fuss at me for not sending out thank you cards. I think we eventually ended up tossing most of the thank you cards because they just never got written. It wasn't that I didn't appreciate the gifts either. I certainly did. I guess I just wasn't the best at saying thank you. The good thing is that now I am married, and usually my wife does a much, much better job at that than I do. So let me take a moment right now and just say thank you. If you have ever been generous to me and you didn't get a thank you card, and maybe you thought to yourself, he never said thanks. Thank you. I appreciate your generosity to me. The Gospel of Luke tells the story of a group of people who apparently were not very good at writing out thank you cards or any other form of expressing their appreciation. The passage is found in Luke chapter 17. If you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bibles, you can. We're going to look at verses 11 through 19. I'll be reading today from the English Standard Version, and then a little bit later in the service, I'm actually going to do just a little bit of appreciation. This is what it says, beginning in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? 
was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner. And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. I remember years ago hearing the phrase that misery loves company. I guess it can be somewhat comforting to know that you're not the only one who is suffering. In fact, many support groups can actually morph into something like this. If not led properly, they can become a place for people to do nothing more than sulk or to commiserate together. But of course, that's not always the case. In fact, Ecclesiastes 4.12 teaches us that though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. The idea is that regardless of how weak or broken you may be, when you have a support system in place, you have a much greater chance of overcoming. You don't feel quite as alone. Maybe you just feel a little bit more empowered to at least try. I wonder how much this plays a part in our story today. The story tells us that the 10 lepers came together crying out for Jesus to heal them. Certainly they could have come individually, but they came together. Perhaps they felt, felt just a little bit unworthy maybe even unwanted. It wasn't because Jesus made them feel unwanted, but rather it was the rest of society that did so. Those with leprosy were considered unclean, a scourge upon the culture. There was the fear that if they breathe on me or if they touch me or even their shadows were to go across me, then I will get the same disease that they have. Our passage even mentions it as it notes that they stood at a distance. They didn't actually approach Jesus, but rather they kept their distance. That was not a casual, insignificant statement. These guys knew that the crowds did not want them to be close by. To get close would mean public ridicule or perhaps even some physical abuse as crowds would pick up stones to repel those who might infect them. Well, talk about being in isolation. Over the past year, we've become very familiar with the idea and what it means to be in isolation. Last spring, businesses shut down, nursing homes shut down, even the church was forced to shut down, leaving so many of us without personal interaction. I received an email earlier this week regarding one of our local college campuses. It was addressed to the students, challenging them to be wise about their interactions, especially if they are or they might be sick. They cautioned that they're actually close to reaching a threshold where they may have to close down their campus again and put the students in isolation, all of the students, for another two weeks if something doesn't change soon. Clearly, isolation has become a part of our culture today. I was talking with someone this past Friday about why the church chose to reopen when we did. We've actually been back together inside the church since the beginning of June. The reason we came back together was not financial. The truth is that our experiences 
were less because we weren't using as many of the facilities as much as we normally would. And the tithes and offering were still coming in. So we did not choose to come back together because of the financial impact. We came back together because I truly believe that the church needed the church. We need interaction with each other. I'm very grateful for technology that allows people to connect from their homes. And we'll talk about that in just a few moments, but I missed being able to see people. The point is that these 10 lepers banded together in the midst of their brokenness. They are broken together in our story. And you know what? We are too. Every individual who has come this morning knows a form of brokenness. Maybe it involves isolation. Maybe it doesn't. But every individual who hears this today, you know brokenness. But being broken is not a death sentence. We can be broken together. This likely gave them a sense of comfort, a sense of peace, and a sense of safety. There can be safety in numbers. And like them, we need each other. We need to know that we are not in this alone. There's one other thing that is that them being together probably gave them. It likely gave them a louder voice. At least it felt that way. Jesus knew the need, whether it was one leper or 10 lepers who showed up that day, but their combined voice would allow them to shout louder over the crowd, as opposed to one voice that might be silenced by a less than compassionate culture. When I began this series, I started with the layman who had been carried by his four friends on a mat. They were the ones who tore a hole in the roof and lowered him down to Jesus. Y'all probably remember the story well. One of the beautiful things about that story was the fact that this man was not alone. He had others who cried out for him. They risked everything for the sake of getting their friend to Jesus. And I wonder today, who will cry out for the broken in your life? Who will bring the broken to Jesus? Obviously, what we're talking about here carries both a physical and spiritual component. On the one side, we definitely have physical needs that are met within community. As we look at the early church, as described in the book of Acts, we see that the church had everything in common. They shared with one another as each one had need, as if they were all a part of the same family. But on the spiritual side of this, we also need to know that we are not alone. Hebrews 11 and 12 tell of a great cloud of witnesses. We often refer to Hebrews chapter 11 as the faith chapter where it tells us of all these saints of the past, individuals who had faith and therefore God blessed and he worked in their lives. Chapter 12 talks about this great cloud of witnesses. It's referencing what we've talked about in chapter 11. It would have included the saints that have already gone on before us, but it also would likely include those who right now are walking alongside us in this journey to eternal life. You may feel isolated. 
but you are not alone. And of course, no temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. That means that while you feel that nobody would understand what you are going through, the truth is that we are all in this together. You're no different from the rest. Instead, you are just like me and you're just like the person sitting beside you today. We are all in the same journey, on the same race. But in spite of all the brokenness that we may experience, all the difficulty that may be present, together we are so much stronger. Well, back to our story, we see these men crying out for healing. Again, at a distance. You know, it's interesting to me that Jesus seems to heal in different ways at different times. On one occasion, he'll physically touch the afflicted. He'll reach down into their uncleanness, their brokenness. On another occasion, he'll speak to the sickness, bringing immediate healing. I was thinking this morning of uh, on one occasion, he has a blind man where he spits in the mud and then he puts the mud on his eyes. And somehow that makes this man see. I don't think it was actually the mud. I think what it came down to, it was the power of God that was doing it. See, Jesus heals in all different kinds of ways. And the clean or the unclean thing doesn't seem to really bother him too much because he knows that he can make what is unclean clean at any point. On this occasion, the lepers cry out, Master, have mercy on us. He doesn't physically touch the lepers, nor does he suddenly heal them with his words, although he probably could. Instead, he instructs them to simply go and show themselves to the priests. By the way, culturally, it is important for us to understand why this act would be so important. The role of the priest was not only to administer the sacrifices for the people to the Lord. One of their roles was to determine who was clean or unclean. When an individual developed any type of rash, they couldn't just decide on their own, well, you know what, this isn't really that big a deal, so I'm not going to worry about it. They had to go to the priest, and he would determine if the rash was something worse or not. The priest's word was final. So if the priest said, you are unclean, you couldn't walk out and say, he doesn't know what he's talking about. It didn't work that way. If the priest said you were unclean, you were clean until the priest decided that you were, you were unclean until the priest decided you were clean. As such, the lepers had to go to the priests in order to be officially considered welcome members of the society again. But of course, they didn't want to waste the priest's time. So I imagine that there might have even been a sense of despair as Jesus instructs them to go and show yourselves to the priests. I mean, they probably had hoped for some profound moment of healing. Maybe they had hoped that Jesus would instruct them to go dip in the waters of a nearby river like Naaman of the Old Testament. Maybe they thought Jesus would whisper some type of incantation. But as they corporately leave to go see the priests, they can see the skin of their fellow companions. They still have leprosy. I imagine there was an awful lot of disappointment that day as they walked away from Jesus. I suggest to you today that these men demonstrate great faith 
simply by choosing to walk away. They stand in the presence of the one man who has the ability to heal them. They may have wanted to remain, waiting for him to finish the deal, but he had instructed them to go. So with dirty, bleeding skin, these men walk away trusting that obedience to God would be the best policy. Let me pause for a moment and ask if you truly trust in the power of God to heal and to rescue, regardless of what you face today. My hope is that each of you do. I pray that you will know that he is your best hope, regardless of whether he chooses to heal in the way you would expect. And I hope that you also understand that obedience to him is always going to be in your best interest. The best thing that these 10 men could do was exactly what Jesus had told them to do. And that will always be the case for you and I. Now, can you imagine the conversation as these 10 men walked away from Jesus that day? One was likely disappointed that he didn't just do something right then and there. Perhaps another questioned out loud as to what good this was going to do. We've already been to the priest how many times? And here we are again. We're going to go and show ourselves to the priest. And you know what he's going to say? We're still unclean. I picture most of them walking with their heads down, either filled with disappointment over the apparent lack of action of Jesus on his part or their heads down because of public shame. Remember, they weren't welcomed by society. The idea was that if you have been made unclean, it must be a part of God's judgment upon you. You must be some really bad people to end up with a disease like this. Remember, they are still considered unclean. And then one of them notices the hand of the man beside him. They got their head down. They're not really looking forward at anything else. But one of them notices the hand on the man beside him. It's clean. It's whole. The skin is smooth as a baby's skin. He reaches out to examine, and as he does, he notices his own skin, the rash, the leprosy. It's gone. And suddenly a sense of overwhelming joy would have washed over each of them. They begin to rejoice, recognizing that a miracle has taken place. I picture them probably hugging each other, probably realizing that just as we have been broken together, we have now also been repaired together. They immediately start looking for new clothes because the clothes they've been wearing probably still stained with the blood and the disease that comes with their leprosy. And then their walk turns into a run. They were reluctantly going to see the priest because that's what Jesus told them to do. And all of a sudden they realize, I want to go see that priest because I want to make sure he knows I'm not the same person that I was before. And now there's an excitement and a joy. Remember that Jesus had instructed them to go and show themselves to this priest and they are going 
to finish the task. And as they arrive at the temple, it is likely that the priests would have recognized them immediately. Remember, it probably wasn't the first time they had come looking for his approval. These guys have been there before, but this time they were very different. They were clean and they were, they were whole. More than that, there was a sense of hope and excitement that the priests rarely saw. You think about that. We're not talking about, actually, we are talking about everybody who had been to the temple. For many of them, they went for the ritual side of it. They went because that's what they were supposed to do. They, they brought their items for sacrifice and they went through the actions of church. But when these men showed up, there was something very different about them because they knew what it was like when they were considered unclean. They knew that it was an honor for them to be able to come into the temple. It was an honor for them to be there. There was a sense of excitement. Man, you're not going to believe what God has done in me. And I picture these guys had the opportunity to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ to every person who would listen there in the temple. How is it? that you were unclean, but now you stand before the priest perfectly whole, nothing wrong with you. It is because Jesus of Nazareth has made me whole. Can't you imagine the conversation as they explained to the spiritual leaders, the priests, that they had tried all sorts of cures, but Jesus was their only hope. It's ironic that it would be the priests who would need to hear that message. But then something curious happens. After this great work has taken place with lives being changed and hope being restored, we see that nine of these lepers go on their way. Only one of them returns giving thanks to Jesus. And while I joke about this, the reality is it would seem that maybe these other guys just weren't good at writing thank you cards. Maybe they weren't good at expressing their appreciation, but I suggest that maybe there's more to it than this. Notice that when they saw themselves as broken, they banded together. But now having been healed, they no longer seem to even need each other. They can all go their own way. A sad reality is that many of us seek the Lord and the comfort of the saints when we are in the midst of crisis. Money is tight. When our spouse has been unfaithful, when our kids are going through an illness, or when we walk through the shadow, the valley of the shadow of death. It's in those moments that we recognize how much we need our community. Yet the moment that our need is met, far too many of us, we all go our own different ways. Unfortunately, I've seen it over and over again within the church. Crisis brings us together. In healing, we think we no longer need each other, but we are so wrong. Of course, I also want to stay focused on the issue of thanksgiving because truly that's what we're looking at here in this passage. Clearly this passage isn't just about the parting of ways that apparently took place. One individual going one direction, nine going a different direction. It's so intriguing to me though, 
that this man gave thanks alone. I confess that there have been many times that I've not been as appreciative as I needed to be. In fact, I want to do something about that right now. And I can't do this with everybody, but I want to pick out one person from the staff this morning to highlight. And I just saw him. He's working his way down here. He didn't know what I was going to say, but I told Derek I was going to need him down here. We're going to take a moment and we're going to express appreciation to Derek Pulley. So you can come on up if you would. I told you that in June, we were able to come back together as a church, and it has been an incredible blessing for us to be able to meet here in the church. But the truth is, when we shut down in March, there was a sense of, wow, what are we going to do? There was a sense of, is the church going to be okay if we have to shut down for three months? As I talked with other pastors, our church was in a very, very unique situation. And one of the primary reasons is because of the work that Derek Pulley does here for the church. I'm going to give you one very simple example. We have a website that actually we have a a YouTube page. We have a Facebook page. We have all of that. And the only reason we were able to basically show our services on a live feed every single week is because of the work that Derek Pulley has done. We have online giving that had already been set up, and I think he was a part of that process as well. Derek, if not for the work he did, we would have been in a scramble. We would have been trying to figure out how do we fix what's happening here. And for us, it was somewhat business as usual. It was different because we missed people, but it was available. Derek does a lot more than just the online stuff. stuff. He works with our sound stuff all the time. He does all of our website design stuff. Right now, I don't know if y'all noticed, but we've gotten the church bus repainted. And it looks fantastic. He's about to put a new logo on the side of the bus so that people will know it's not just a clean white bus, but rather now it is the bus for Trinity Wesleyan Church. There's a lot that Derek does that nobody ever sees. And he didn't ask me to do this. This isn't so that you will somehow... Actually, I do want y'all to to know that Derek has been an incredible blessing to this church. And we, as the body of Christ, need to do a better job of saying thank you to those who serve. I know he's not the only one, but what he's done has meant a lot to this church. So, thank you. I really do appreciate all you do, man. Now... Let me just say that a part of me wants to tell Derek to just give a a few words, but he would probably have a heart attack if I did that to him. So, by the way, it's not just Derek. His wife, Amy, also is a part of that, and we are incredibly grateful for both of them. We need to recognize that there are many people in our lives that maybe we need to give thanks for. I'm going to tell you that when I say give thanks, I did just thank Derek directly. Maybe what we need to do to begin with is to simply go before the Lord and say, thank you for the people that you have placed in my life. Sometimes those things, those people are difficult people. I didn't say that because Derek was the one up here. Understand that. Some of the things we face are difficult things. Let's give thanks even in that. These 10 lepers would have never experienced Jesus the way they did would have never shown up at the temple with all that excitement and overwhelming energy 
if not for the fact that they had already been through some very difficult things along the way. Sometimes we want to give thanks, but we only give thanks to the things that we like. The truth is we should give thanks for all things. For we have a God who has blessed us with all those things and he will work in all those things to accomplish his purposes for you and for me. We need to be a people who give thanks. What do you need to thank the Lord for today? By the way, in the second service, we'll take some time and we'll give some thanks to another staff person, someone who... Actually, I assume she's not listening over in the other building. We're going to give thanks for daily in the second service. And we just, honestly, we need to say thank you more frequently. One of the things we're going to do in the coming months to help encourage that is, uh, and this is not being directed by me, I want to make that clear. Uh, I'll even tell you who it is that's directing it, but Debbie Gore came to me this past week and said, hey, can we, uh, can we, update the staff bulletin board. There's one that's over in this hallway right here. And each month we're going to highlight a different staff person or intern simply to say thank you to those individuals. I'm going to encourage you as the body of Christ to participate in that. Not only to go and look and maybe read the bio information about them so you know who they are, but write them a card. We're talking about thank you cards and being able to throw them in the middle of, <laughs> we're talking about thank you cards and being able to express our appreciation. Write them a thank you card. Let them know you love them. If you want, take them to lunch, do whatever. Let them know that you appreciate who they are and what they've done. It may start with the staff, but I want you to develop such an appreciation, not just for the church staff, but for each individual that is a part of your life. Most of us haven't said thank you enough. One of the 10 did. We need to make sure that we're the one. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, as we come before you today, Lord, we just begin by saying thank you. You have been good to us. You have been generous to us. You have provided for us. Sometimes we've had to experience those blessings through the midst of difficulty, but you have been faithful. Thank you today for all that you've done. Thank you for the people that you've placed in our lives. They're individuals that they're part of our lives every day, and it seems as if we take them for granted. Lord, I say thank you today. I thank you for the families that you've given us. I thank you for the church body that we have and the people that are a part of our lives. I thank you for our coworkers, our fellow students. Lord, I pray that you would help us to always be appreciative of the people you place in our lives and help us to be able to verbalize that, to show people and to tell people that we love them and we thank you for them. Father, I pray today for each one who is listening, each one who is here today, that you would speak to us, that you would cause us to become more thankful I know this isn't the Thanksgiving season, but as we look at a relationship, these 10 individuals were changed because they were in the presence of God. One of them developed an incredible sense of thanksgiving, and I pray that each of us in here would develop an incredible sense of thanksgiving because we have interacted with Jesus. 
Father, may you be honored in us. In your name we pray, amen. Now, before I dismiss you, I do want to encourage you. I mentioned it earlier during our time of announcements, uh, but we have those books that are available. Uh, we've got enough where everybody should be able to get one. We're not worried about running out of them. Uh, but I encourage you, if you can, pick them up today and take them with you. I've had a couple individuals who uh, they have contacted me online and said, hey, can I get a couple books for me and my spouse uh, so that they can read it. They're not even local. So we're going to do some of that. Uh, but we wanted to make that available to you. Again, this is a gift from the church. It is simply a way for all of us to be on the same page. As we go through the Lenten season, it creates an opportunity for us to be able to all go through the same devotional stuff. One of the things we did different this year, in the past when we've done this, we've not put dates on it. Well, this is a dated book, which means we want to use all of them up during this time period. And that's so that if you fall behind, because you know what, I, I forgot to read yesterday or whatever, you know exactly what day you're supposed to be on. It's easier for you to catch up. So uh, we, we dated it this time. We really want to encourage everyone, if you can, take one, allow it to become a devotional tool, tool for you as you go through this Lenten season. Hopefully it will be a blessing. I know that I was blessed just doing the, uh, the editing and reading everybody else's devotionals. Uh, we have some very talented people that I am very, very grateful for. So I'll just say it. Thank you to those individuals. I don't know if any of them are in the room with me right now, but thank you if they're watching. So... Uh, I do have one other announcement, and uh, that's the reason why David Stansel is in here with us this morning. Um, actually, we have a men's group that's going to be starting up, and it will be meeting at David's house. And uh, we're looking at the 28th as our kickoff date for that. Uh, it's on a Sunday. We're looking in uh, Sunday afternoon, probably about 4.30. If you are interested in being a part of that, they're going to be going through a, uh, a video series entitled Men's Fraternity. And with it, it will create an opportunity for individuals to not only be discipled, but to be able to get some practical tools on how to be a dad, how to be a husband, how to be a man of God, regardless of where you're at in your life. Uh, so it'll be a great tool. If you would, if you'll see David, David, would you just stand up real quick so everybody knows who I'm talking about? Uh, and that way you'll have uh, at least access to that. We're just trying to see what kind of interest there is. We're looking at starting on the 28th. So we'd love to have you here for that. Thank you for being with us this morning and go in peace.